lift your hands to heaven. I just want you to meditate on his goodness. Meditate on his blessing. The supernatural grace that has been bestowed on us. Men like us. People like us. By his abundant grace. He said we have been begotten unto a lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Unto an inheritance undefiled. That faded not away. But kept for you in heaven. Who are kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last days. Kolo That if need be for a season. Ye are in manifold trials that the trial of your faith might be found more precious than gold that perisheth at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whom ye see not, but do believe with joy unspeakable full of glory. We stand before you, Almighty. We stand before you, King of Kings. All things are yours. Whether they be life, whether they be death, whether they be things that are or things to come, all things are yours. We give you praise. There is none like you. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none besides thee. Neither is there any rod as Search for all eternity long and find there is none like you, and there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do, and I can search for all eternity. And find there is none like you. Oh, we give you praise. Yes, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord Jesus. We do appreciate it. We lift our hands in glory. Take all the glory, take all the praise. In Jesus' name. The Son of the Living God, all believers shout hallelujah. Hallelujah.
seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Are you excited to be in church today? Are you sure you're excited? Hallelujah. We are very glad to be here once again this morning. And um, we do not take this lightly at all. Because we know that God has a word for his people. And every time we gather, it's a gathering of a feast of fat things. A feast of wines on the lees full of marrow. We are going to enjoy the deities of God today. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Are you here at all? Are you sure you are here? Then give God a big shout of praise. Amen. I want to thank Bishop Isaiah and Mami for this great opportunity to even speak to you. Hallelujah. And my esteemed brother, Pastor Isaiah, and his dear wife, I salute you so much. And all the pastors of the house, Pastor David, Reverend, I salute all of you. Hallelujah. And all the blessings of leaders in the house. Hallelujah. Amen. We are going to enter the word. But on Thursday, we started by understanding that it is finished. Say, it is finished. Hallelujah. Last year, if we were here, we understood the four dimensions of the word, it is finished. Tetelestai. And we said that when a servant is sent to town by his master to go and render an errand and he comes back, he comes to give the salutation, it is finished, tetelestai, as a report, meaning that what I was sent to go and do, I've done, I've done it. Hallelujah. It was also a term that was used by the poets and the writers of the day. So when a person writes a story and he's done and there's no part two, but what he has written is the only part and final part, at the end of that story, it is written at the end, Tetelestai. It means there's nothing to be added to the story. Thirdly, Tetelestai was used by artisans, carpenters, builders. And when they are building and they are done, usually in those days, when the work is given, even in our time, when someone is sewing your dress, you go to visit whether he's really doing it or he's not done it. So in those days, sometimes a carpenter will leave the shop and the table is still being molded. And as he walks away, he leaves his carpentry napkin on the table and moves to town. So sometimes the owner will come and check it. But because the napkin is on the table like that, the owner knows that it's not yet done. But when the carpenter is done with the work, he folds the napkin in a certain diagonal way on the table at the corner. And when he puts it there, he pastes a stamp by it, written Tetelestai, which means to say the work has been completely made perfect. Then finally, when a person owed in those days, when someone owed money, he was uh, indebted to someone and was paying the debt in installments. Because in those days, they had what they called trade by butter. So if you go to town and you're a rich man, you have something called the signet ring and it was like your ATM card. Then they have this slab they bring to you. So that anytime you buy something in town, you put this, their signet ring on the slab. 
And that's where we get the term, put it on my tab. So they put it on the slab that I bought these items and I owe this much. So at the end of the month, the one that is owed comes to the one who owes. And when they come, because it's trade by butter, whatever item in the house that is valued to pay what was owed is taken. After that transaction is effected, on top of the slab, another stamp is stamped on it, Tetelesta. It means fully paid. And these are the things Jesus did on the cross when he said Tetelesta. He was trying to tell you that the errand with which the Father sent him, he has finished it. He was trying to tell you that because he's the Alpha and the Omega, he is the alphabet of God, writing the story of God. Because what you call history is actually his story. <laughs> and he has written the story of God even through time. He's saying that when he said it is finished as God's alphabet, he has ended the story. Nothing will be added to it. And he's saying also that there was a debt we owed we could not pay. But when he came on the cross and he said Tetelestai, he meant I have fully paid. You don't owe a single dime under any circumstance. Then finally, as an artisan, he was trying to tell us this, that he has perfected the workmanship. Because Ephesians 2.10 say, and we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. So as he was on the cross, he was a workman fashioning his masterpiece. As he was on the cross and he was shouting and in pain, all the things he was going through was the building up of a masterpiece. Because ladies and gentlemen, when that masterpiece was complete in him because he has abolished in his flesh the law of carnal commandment and has made in himself one new man according to Ephesians 2 14 to 16 and has broken the middle wall of partition whereby becoming our peace what he's trying to tell us is this whilst he was on the cross and he was hanging there for three hours he was silent but certain works were going on in him he was causing a creation you are not aware of and ladies and gentlemen by the time he said it is finished Actually, in the Greek, it is not, it is finished. The Greek exclamation is finished. It means in that statement, he has paid, he has finished the errand of the father. He has finished building the masterpiece of God. And all the story ends with him. That is why Peter says, who verily was foreordained in before the foundations of the world in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20 but has been revealed unto us in these last times. What he's trying to tell you was this. The moment Jesus Christ came, that was the beginning of the last days. Why? Because he is the last dot to the story. Anything after Christ's coming is not a story. It is Jesus who is the last of God's story. And all God wrote ended with Christ. So anyone who is not in Christ is living an auxiliary life. <laughs> it is those who are in Christ who live what he has already lived. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you here today? Are you here today? That is Tetelesta. It is finished. That's what it means. You must know the terms of your salvation. You don't owe again. Say, I don't owe again. That's why you are not saved mercifully. Neither are you saved graciously. You are saved righteously. God paid for your salvation. So he can't change his mind about it when he feels like he doesn't feel like being merciful. God paid. So it's not God's grace that has saved you alone. No, it's more than that. You are also saved righteously. You are saved righteously. Praise the Lord. Please, are you here this morning? Are you sure you are here? So on Thursday, we understood that Jesus said he's a worm. Say, I am a worm. Jesus said he's a worm, isn't it? 
And we, we, we learned about the scarlet worm, the cocos elysis. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We learned about the scarlet worm. How that you are stained. Say, I'm stained. Say, I'm stained by the blood. But when we were learning about the scarlet worm, I said something. That after the scarlet worm dies, on the third day, the worm changes color. It moves from red to white. On the third day of its death, it becomes white. No more red. And actually, this is the picture of resurrection. Hallelujah. And I want to show you today. I want to show you today. Today, I want to show you the resurrection life. Amen? I said, Amen? Amen. Say the resurrection life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, our theme scripture, quickly. Ephesians 2, 6. He says that, and have raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can we together want to go? And in, in where? In Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We have been raised. Say we have been raised. Say we have been raised. Say we have been raised. Hallelujah. When Jesus was ra- being raised from the dead, he didn't rise alone. He rose with us. Because he didn't die alone. According to what the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 5 said, he said, if ye have been found, or if ye have been found in the likeness of his death, ye shall be found, ye have been planted also in the likeness of his death, then ye shall also be found in the likeness of his resurrection. We were planted together with him in death. And so Bible says because of this action, we are also found in the likeness of his resurrection. Which means to say who Jesus became in the resurrection we have also become that person. I'll show you. We have also become those persons. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) the resurrection story is a serious story. It's a serious story. It's a serious story. Next, the beauty of the cross, you realize that, Charlie, this whole salvation thing is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Already, God has told me what I'll share next year. We will go into some mysteries before the foundations of the world. So there will always be something to say about the cross. It's a lot. Paul said the preaching of the cross is to the Gentiles foolishness and to the Jews a stumbling block to us that believe the power of God. So actually what you are preaching is the cross. Without the cross, you don't even have a message. Faith is the cross. Righteousness is the cross. Glory is the cross. Everything started from the cross. Your history is the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Please be, be excited today, okay? Some, sometimes the man of God is not the one who is at fault. It's the people who are not pulling enough. If you bring teaspoons, that's how I'll deliver the message. Speak in tongues for one minute. Vemele Costa Baba Bash, Shebre, Bakiro, Brombos, Bazas, Yadala Tekes, Bandora Momomo, building up yourself, just just equip yourself. Lima Mama Shamba Carabatokro Sobale and the Zegastora Mazandele Cabara, the Basa, Rabara, Babara, Basara, Babara, Remna Badori Cabra, Babara, 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 Bacraba Sono Lobo Shabahes. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
So once upon a time, when Jesus was delivered and he died, ladies and gentlemen, Bible says he was delivered according to the predeterminate counsel of God. I shared with a group last night in a meeting that when Jesus was about to die, in his day, the cross was not the means of death. Much more as a Jew, stoning was the way they should have killed him. But some way, somehow, without his suggestion, he ended up on the cross. He chose how he would die because he is God. Because look at how many times they attempted to kill him by stoning. But some way, somehow, the man ended up on the cross. It is a serious mystery. <laughs> he chose the cross. Home. Because apparently, man of God, the cocos elysis cannot lay eggs on the floor. It cannot lay on the wall. It has to have a tree. If it doesn't have a tree, there's nothing going to happen. <laughs> oh, the cross was needed. <laughs> Nowhere else will suffice but the cross. The cross. He was not beheaded. It's not just about the blood. The means of death was also redemptive. Yeah, the way he died also redeemed us from certain things. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, amen. Are you ready? You are, you are ready? Alright. So, now the Bible is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, resurrection is different from crucifixion. Or let me put it this way. The crucified life is a little different from the resurrected life. The crucified life is a little different from the resurrected life. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Then he comes to say, nevertheless, I live. Yet the life I now live, is not my own, but the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. So Paul is saying something, that I'm crucified with Christ. That's a termination. But I'm now living another life, which is germination. So the crucified life terminates the old man. But the resurrected life invigorates the new man. So there are two different realms. So when we say you are living crucified, it means your flesh has no sin. When we say you are living crucified, it means you are not in a hurry. Because he that believeth in the Lord shall not make haste. Where is the crucified man going? <laughs> because he's hanging on a tree, fasting by nails. He's not in a hurry at all. The crucified man cannot look backwards because the, the cross has kept his head in a straight view. That's a crucified life. The crucified life means who you once were, you die to it. Moses could not be used by God because Moses was too good for God. Number one, he was an army general, so he already had the skill to lead. Number two, Bible said, according to Acts chapter 7, that he was mighty in speech. So he knew already how to talk. God said, I still can't use this guy. Do you know when Moses was ready to be used by God? When he said, Lord, 40 years, he had all the credentials. But the next 40 years in the wilderness, when God came back, he said, I cannot speak. Moses has become a stammerer. He has a speech problem. Yet, 40 years prior, he was articulate, a military general. But all that he was qualified in his flesh... God said, if you are qualified in your flesh, you handicap my usage. Mm. 
That is why Jacob was strong in Genesis 32. Wrestling with an angel. And the day, Bible said, the angel touched the hollow of his thigh. And he began to live. That's when God said, you have now prevailed with God and man. The crucified life crucifies the inhibitor of the resurrected life. There is, a, there, <laughs> there is an inhibition enzyme called the flesh. And it is only by the crucifixion that the release of the real you by resurrection is given. That's the difference between the crucified life and the resurrected life. But ladies and gentlemen, the reason why the crucified life must perceive the resurrected life is because resurrection is that which goes through death and is not touched or scathed by death and comes up holy and invigorated after death. The resurrection is that which goes through death, not touched by death, scarred by death, but comes out stronger in death. What I'm trying to say is this. Problems are food for the resurrected life. But it isn't so for the normal life. In the resurrected life, problems is meat. Because resurrection needs death to come alive. Resurrection needs death situations to shoot out. That is why Christianity is not the exemption from problems. It is the exposure to calamity. <laughs> if you don't understand this, you always be crying, God, why me? No, 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 no. God's deal about your life is not to separate you from problems. That's why he does it when you were a baby. When Israel came out of Egypt, they were babies in the Lord. So God, Bible says, and he did not take them by the way of the Amorites because it was just a 11 days journey to Sinai. But he took them through the early route because they were too young to fight. But after they went through the normal route and they were preserved a while, God who brought a sword and brought his mighty hand and delivered them in Egypt, I thought that Israel shouldn't fight again because the way they were redeemed was without their efforts. So obviously, the Amalekites, God should just descend and do, everybody died. Israel, are not fighting. But it is in their fighting, they learned to require and inquire from God. So the more they matured, the more they were exposed to wicked, more fierce enemies. <laughs> oh, are you here today? I want to show you that resurrected life. You have been around this mountain for far too long. God said, I need you to grow because the problems that are coming, when you grow in the resurrected life, it is bread to you. Kabbalah is bread. Because you can't have a testimony without a test. And there's no message without a mess. Hallelujah. But the crucified life kills that which is corrupt. Kills that which will make you fail. Kills that which will make you cry. That's what the crucified life does. But the resurrected life, it releases glory. Ladies and gentlemen, something happened. Once upon a time, when Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus had to be seen per going to the location Jesus was at. If you don't come to where Jesus is, you won't see Jesus. Number two, Jesus had to move by ship, boats, and donkeys. 
But once upon a time, when he was resurrected, Bible says he was appearing and disappearing. You know what has happened? He has crucified the limiter of resurrected life. What limits his godhood was crucified on the cross. And thanks be to God, he said, as he was being crucified, we were also baptized into that same death. Which means to say, when he resurrected, unhindered and limited by the flesh, we also have the capacity not to be hindered by the flesh. It's been given to us in the resurrection. If the child does not see this, that's why if you read the Bible in Acts chapter 4, and he gave them great grace and great power not to preach the gospel, but to preach. He didn't use the word gospel. Of course, it was the gospel. But he didn't use the phrase gospel. But he said, give them great grace and great power to be witnesses of their resurrection. Witnesses means living evidences that they have come out from the dead also with a certain man. That's what it means. The whole thing is the testimony of the resurrection. <laughs> because it's not going to be an exemption from trouble. It is an opportunity to dominate trouble. That's what God has brought you. He doesn't, look, he doesn't kill your enemies. He sets a table before them. And you are eating whilst your enemies are watching you. They can't do anything. That is resurrected life. So the next time you get a job, man of God, God gave me this job. But all of a sudden, my boss is angry at me. Hey, hey, go and put on the resurrection life and say, sir, from today, you don't try me again. <laughs> you talk in your room and say, I walk in the resurrection. You see your boss and you say, I dominate you. You don't dominate me. It's true that you are five years my senior, but I dominate this office. Resurrection. Because you choose a different job and another person will oppress you again. So you keep asking yourself, God, why? It's not why. You are not using the right key. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say the resurrected life. Say the resurrected life. So the resurrection is that which goes through death and is not touched by death. Number two, when resurrection goes through death, it multiplies. Death is the multiplying agent of resurrection. How do I know this? In John chapter 12 verse 24, the Bible said, except a corn of grain falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. It means in dying, it spreads. In dying, it multiplies. <laughs> oh, death is necessary for your multiplication. No wonder Paul said, so then, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 12, so then, death worked in us and life in you. How come? Paul is the apostle. He said, we are the us. Death is working in us, but life is in you. Why? Because as death works in us and resurrection is shown, he says, though our outward man perisheth, our inward man is renewed day by day. So there must be a certain perishing by the action of death so that there will be a release of the real you. The giant you are. <laughs> Let me tell you something about resurrection. Now, number one, calm down. With the you see, I'm a prophet, so calm down. Otherwise, you are staring me up. It's not time. 
prophets and music here, huh? please. Amen. Can we all smile? <laughs> yeah. Now, resurrection is different from resuscitation. In the Bible, there's only one person who resurrected. Before others resurrected. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, 20, 23. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, quickly. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after they that are Christ at his coming. Go to 22 first. Go to 22. Uh-huh. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Then verse 3 says what? 23 says what? But every man after his own order, Christ the first fruits, after they that are Christ at his coming. 24. And then come at the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, and when he shall put them all in rule and authority and power. Now, he's saying that Christ is actually the first fruit because this scripture from 20 downwards is talking about the resurrection. He said Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. What he's trying to say is Christ is the first to ever resurrect in the Bible. I know you were asking, how about the boy who was raised from the dead? How about the... What do you call it? The widow's son. Um, uh, yes, the widow's son. How about Dairos, Dairos' daughter, Jairus' daughter? How about all those people? Lazarus, how come? Those people, there are actually 10 people in the Bible who came back to life. Those people were not resurrected. They were resuscitated. In resuscitation, the soul is returned back to the body. Now, I'll show you. I'll show you why. Resurrection is not resuscitation. Because in resurrection, when you come back to life, you never die. Those who were brought back to life died again. No, when you are resurrected, you don't die. <laughs> Number two, in resuscitation, when they come back to life, there are two things that happens. Getting food to eat. And clothe him because he's in a garment. John 11 mentions it. Loose him and let him go. He was embalmed. But in resurrection, according to John 20, when they got there, Jesus was already wearing the dress. Ah. Yet what was used to bomb him was lying down on the table. Who sold for him? <laughs> you know why? Because the resurrection has its own dress. Ah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I, I, <laughs> I'm just, I, I wish, I wish, I wish the resurrection I wish the believers today was, it is what was working in Paul that made Paul to be stoned and Paul rose up again and went to preach there again. Then he came to tell us that three times I've suffered shipwreck. I have, I've, he said thrice I've been beaten with rods. He said five times I've beaten 40 stripes save one of the Jews. He said a night and a day I've spent in the deep. And he said beside all these things that are coming upon me, there are extra matters the care of the churches. And Paul said, in weariness and in, in fainting, he said, in watchings often. 
in testings and in hunger, in fastings often, in coldness and in nakedness. He said, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the countryside, in perils on the waters, in perils, oh, of the hidden, in perils of robbers. Paul is communicating mysteries. He said, are they Israelites? I speak as a fool. I am more. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In Mokoli, cast apart. He said, in prison, frequent. In death, often. Paul is saying, I have died often. Yet something keeps bringing me back. He was stoned and left dead. The Jews don't stone you to hurt you. They stone you till you are dead. Because the Bible said they stoned him at even. But it was around midnight because the disciples didn't want to be hit. They also came for the body of Paul. He was lifeless in a coma for over six hours. But when they were come to lift his body, all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he started walking again. And he went to a city. Went to hide. And many days later he came back to the same Iconion where he had been stoned why he didn't go crying saying God why me he knew what resurrection life is serpents will bite you but because of resurrection life you pull the snake out and bring it back to where it beat you and say suck the poison They put gunpowder in front of the entrance of your house. You know some witch doctors are operating. And when you see it, you smile and say, Atakatara, Atakatara, Atakatara. You even fetch it and pour it on your head, Atakatara. Then they are like, ah, resurrected. That's why it was, you must go through crucifixion first. Because the flesh is too comfortable. The flesh likes convenience. The flesh is afraid to attempt. The flesh is not daring. The flesh is always timid. The flesh is, wants to be in a safe zone. A ship is not meant to be at dock. It's supposed to be at sea. At dock, it is comfortable. The winds and the waters will not lash it. It is at sea. It is lashed. But you know the funny thing? After the lashing and the shaking and the carrying of the ship upside down, at the end of the day, it comes to settle at dock. Every time the ship moves in the sea, at its wildest, tempestuous weather storms, cyclones and typhoons, and the ship still comes back to dock. Anytime the ship rests at dock, it tells the sea, I dominated you today too. <laughs> you shook me by this shake. You tried to capsize me, but I kept coming up. And I'll come again tomorrow. <laughs> that is resurrected life. <laughs> I'm warming up. So warm up with me, okay? <laughs> I want to show you something very key for this Christian life. Because anytime I read the fathers and the saints, these boys who came from Switzerland, the Basel missionaries. And settled at Equiapem 22, 23. When you go to the Presbyterian church, you see the list of the young missionaries. Died. Reverend 26, Reverend 22, Reverend 19. You know how they came to Africa? Their traveling bag was a coffin. They came to die. They were ready to die. It takes a certain life, eh? <laughs> when, you know, one day I was, I was, those days when I used to be on Facebook. Yes. 
certain Pakistani missionary kept WhatsApping me, chatting me, and said, Hello, man of God, the Lord bless you. So he was chatting with me, and said, well, I want you to come to our country and say, Oh, okay, we'll pray. So he said, What's the Lord saying? The one that I was praying, all of a sudden, God opened my eyes and I was in Pakistan. Then I described his house. I described his gate, his entrance. He said, everything I'm seeing is correct. So when am I coming? I said, I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> Two weeks later, I said, man of God, I think the time is now. The Lord said now. I said, ah, not Pakistan. No. <laughs> they don't come to Pakistan by faith. <laughs> I don't want to die. <laughs> Those places, Christians are wearing jalabia. And they are buka, and they are using to worship God because you have to pretend as if you are going to mosque. And they all sit down on the floor because when they come and spy, as if they are reading Quran. But inside their ties is the Bible. Yeah, that's what's happening in Pakistan. You, you are here, so the resurrected life here is like, uh, what is Prophet talking about? This resurrected, resurrected something. You let a bomb come, you realize that you need resurrected life because you must overcome that bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you here? Are you here? Wave your hands to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. This resurrected life is a serious life. How do I know this? When Jesus came back from the dead. Let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Verse 1. I want to show you something. Let's read together. One, two. Uh-huh. Of the week. Uh-huh. So look at the time they were coming home. In the end of the Sabbath. The Sabbath ended Saturday night at 6 o'clock. As it was about to dawn Sunday morning. So these women were going at dawn around 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to the tomb. Began to dawn. So it means it's even the beginning of dawn. So it's not 5 a.m. Beginning of dawn. 3 to 4. Then he says what? The first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and what? Mary to the what? Sabbath. Uh-huh. Because according to the Jewish culture, they don't embalm in the day. You know why? They use mare. They use frankincense. These are the things they brought to Jesus Christ. Gold, mare, frankincense. Mare and frankincense were for embalming. Gold was for his royalty. So the three items that were gifts was actually a picture of his life. He's going to be embalmed. So they brought his embalming tools at his bed. Mare and frankincense. and water. It's not perfume. It's for embalming. They go at the beginning of dawn because when the heat rises and the body temperature, you see, the heat begins to affect the temperature of the body because they are going to remove the tomb stone. The heat that enters the tomb begins to allow for further decomposition. And applying the embalming agent whilst there. So if you read most of those Egyptian um, stories, you realize that most of the times they are embalming the body, they either do it at dawn or in a dark room where there is no light. Because it affects the body. So these women were actually going around 3 a.m., 2 a.m. to go and do the embalming quickly before the heat of the sun comes out begin to affect the body. But Bible says, when they went, as it began, so it means right before dawn was starting, they went to the tomb. Verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. 
and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. I love the picture. The angel didn't enter the tomb. He rolled the stone and sat on the stone. He said, uh-huh. What's happening here? You know the mystery about it? When they went to John's house, in Lazarus' house, in John chapter 11, he said, where have you laid him? And when they showed him from verse 28 downwards, they showed him where the body was. He said, roll the stone backwards. But when they rolled the stone backwards, he shouted, Lazarus, come. And he began to jump out because he was embalmed. And he said, now lose him. Let him go. But when you come to the story of Jesus Christ, Bible said, when these women were coming, now God did it like this. In their sight, God rolled a stone. Yet there was nobody inside. So the man came out of the tomb without rolling the stone. Mm. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? This is the mystery of the resurrection. When doors are shut, you can end. You don't, you see, in resurrection, you don't need to roll doors. It's not, it's not Nigerian Ghana movie that the ghost will be knocking. Co -co -co -co. <laughs> so the door, a ghost has come, he's knocking. Co -co -co. Hello? <laughs> he said that the, the angel rolled it in their sight. If, if you had read it from 27, you see, the Bible says, and Pilate and the Sanhedrin, they got it. I, I preach it in those messages, so you go and read it. Go and, go and listen to it to bless you. They put a strong band of soldiers to guard it, and they were awake all night. There's a certain general who wrote in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's called General Amos. He says, as this, he said, the Praetorian wrote this report that around midnight they had jubilation and dancing inside the tomb of Jesus. And he said, bright light. Which blinded the, he said the tombstone was not rolled, but it pervaded the corners of the tomb. And they were hearing dancing. Hey, party inside. He said they ran. If you read it further down, you realize that the Sahindra told the soldiers not to talk about it. According to history, they said they should change the report. Because if they write this report, everybody will know he's really God. So they started writing a new report that his body was stolen. And that's where the agnostics started writing that Jesus' body was stolen. They found him in Spain and he was married with some children. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, you don't know. Because they just, listen, if Jesus is alive or Jesus didn't rise up and died, then the basis of our Christianity is waste. Which means to say, the basis of who we are is his resurrection. Yes. If he didn't resurrect, we are no different from Muslims because Muhammad couldn't resurrect. The Ahmadiyyas, their boss couldn't resurrect. Buddha couldn't resurrect. But it's only Jesus we keep talking, he resurrected. So every time they are making a mockery of that, they just don't understand how a man can die. And so a scientist called Lee Schober went to do an investigative uh, study on Jesus Christ. And the list of things they gave him, he said, it is impossible for them. Because you see, they said he didn't resurrect. Then when they realized that he resurrected, now they said he didn't really die. <laughs> yes, because they said, yes, they said he didn't really die. The way they embalmed him, they embalmed him. No, but if you read history, time will fail me to go there today. But in the embalming process, the content of men and frankincense and embalming agents, resin, they use it embalms you and the weight of the, the embalmation is actually 300 pounds. So if you are 100 pounds, the thing you are embalmed in is 300. So even if you don't die on the cross, the embalming will kill you. That's why if you watch some of the ancient Egyptian movies, some people are embalmed alive. 
the embalming can kill you. Please know your fact as a child of God. Don't let anyone come and deceive you and start asking, did Jesus really die? Did he, he was in a coma? Eh? Eh? Oh yeah, let's put you on the nail and nail you, pam, 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 bleach, and see if you enter coma. <laughs> you see that something's in this world. <laughs> it's not coma, he really died. And ladies and gentlemen, when the man arose, oh, the, go, go, go to the next, the next verse, quickly. His countenance was like lightning. And his raiment was, I like how the Bible put raiment white as snow. He said, come, let us reason. Though your sins are scarlet, they shall become white as snow. And I told you, the scarlet there is the scarlet worm. Yet after three days, it becomes snow. So the prophecy of Isaiah was this. Though you are red like scarlet, you will be stained by the Messiah. But not many days from now, you will become white like snow. Because you also become white like snow. Songs of Songs chapter 5 verse 10 said, My beloved, he is white and ruddy. I told you, the word ruddy is the word Adomi, which the root word is Adam, which means red. And he says, my beloved is white. So he's saying, Jesus is both white and red. <laughs> he is white and red. He is white and red. He is the chiefest amongst 10,000. The word chief there is the one, he's the banned one who is leading a, a, a military convo. He is the chiefest amongst them. So the 10,000 are not human beings. They are military men. Have you to notice that any time the description of Jesus Christ was being given and Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying the son of man shall come down, riding upon horses with tens of thousands of saints. So the chiefest amongst 10,000 is Christ amongst the children of God. So he is white and ruddy because both of us we're stained with red. And when he enters his resplendent glory, everything is... That's why I said, Christ, ah, yeah, yeah. I pray that in this season, the resurrection angels... Somebody didn't receive it. The resurrection angels will begin to enter your company. They will enter your church. They will enter your ministry. They will enter your prayer life. They will enter your family. They will enter your body and begin to resurrect anything that is dead in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And this is what he said. His garment was white as snow. Verse 4. Go to 4. Quickly. He said, and for fear of him that were keepers did shake and began and became like dead men. So these bodyguards, Bible said they were lying like they were dead. So they have held their breath. The soldiers, so instead of them to run, they were pretending to be dead. <laughs> Verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto them, fear not. For I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Oh, la babasha. But he is not here. For he is risen. As he said. Come, see the place where the Lord laid. Ah. <laughs> Verse 7. And go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Hallelujah. In one of the accounts, I think in Luke, when they came to the tomb, the angel asked them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? How come? We were just crucified on the cross some days ago. All of a sudden, you say there's a living among the dead. What is going on? Why seek ye the living among the dead? 
Then I went back, man of God, to the cross. The Bible said in Galatians 3.13, Cursed is the man that hangeth on the tree. For Christ became a curse for us, that he might redeem us from the curse of the Lord. What it meant was this, that the man who was going to hang on the tree was going to die on the tree. But in the Bible, the word used for tree is different from the word that was used here. Usually in the Greek language, the word for tree, normal trees, is dendron. 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 But the word used here is the word zulon. 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 So all the trees of the earth, God created the trees, is, is dendron. Dendron. In the Hebrew, it's actually itis. E-T-I-E. So, he, this word is different. I said, ah, no, what, what is happening at all? Then the Lord said, check what it means. The man of God, when I checked, apparently the word zulon is the same word that is used in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Let's go there quickly. To him that overcometh. Look at something. To him that overcometh. He that I let him hear. To him that overcometh. I will give him to eat of the tree of life. Which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now the word tree here is the same word for tree in Galatians 3. Yet when you read Revelation 5. It speaks about the trees. In Revelation 7. There was no tree. All the trees were destroyed. That tree there in Revelation 7 is dendron. But here it is Zulon. And Galatians 2 says it's Zulon. Actually, what Jesus died on in the Greek language is the same word for tree of life. So Jesus was crucified on the tree. You know why? So the tree he was dying on was actually a generation capacity for life. They thought they were putting a man on a dead tree. But they were putting a man on a living tree. Because in the garden of Eden, when man was cast out of the garden, there was a flame. And there was a cherubim on one side, another cherubim on the other side, and in the middle was a tree. But the tree also had a sword by its spinning. But according to Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7, he said, and he shall ask him, saying, wherewith has he these wounds upon their body? And he shall say unto them, oh, these are the wounds which I received from the fellows of which I am in the same house with. Arise and awake, O sword. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall scatter. You know why? Bible said, curse is the man. The word used for curse is the man that hangeth on the tree. The word used for hang is actually to expose for destruction. So he's saying, curse is the man who exposes himself on the living tree for destruction. He is cursed. Not because <laughs> he has done anything wrong. But he's cursed because if the person who decides to hang on the tree shows up, every curse in this universe will come on his head. Because the sword is the only way man can touch the tree. So if the man goes through the sword, then he must be a curse. Because the curse God released, that the day 
you eat this tree, you will die. And God kept him for a while for him not to die and said to him, Until you fulfill my righteous requirement, you are not eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you touch this sword, the curse I release from Genesis is going to meet you by this sword. So the sword awakened by the death of Christ. So when he was dying, he was dying on the tree of life. Ladies and gentlemen, where you were born again was the tree of life. And he hung on the tree because actually, actually, God is that tree. Jesus is the fruit. Because Jesus is the edible part of God. God was the tree. Or oh, have you forgotten what the Bible said? I love how he put it in Paul's masterful presentation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God was in Christ. How? The man is hanging alone on the cross, but he said God was also there. Because God was the tree inside Christ. And the two of them were reconciling the world unto themselves. You have not died on a dead tree. The tree you died on gave you the vital elements of God. It's a living tree. 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 A living tree. That is why the element of the tree could not make the man stay in the grave for long because life had entered him whilst he was dying. He was receiving life. <laughs> he was being imbued with life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a life you have received. It is called eternal life. Eternal life is not long, long life. It's two different things. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, isn't it? That he gave his only what? That whosoever believes in him should what? But have? Alright, go to 15. Whosoever believes in him should not what? But have what? So look, but when you go to 16, what do I say? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but what? So there's everlasting life and eternal life. Hey. Hey. Eternalness is that which has no beginning and ending. Everlastingness is that which has a beginning but no ending. So God is eternal. Angels are everlasting. Because they were created, so they will not die. But God was not created, so he's eternal. He precedes creation, and he will never end. So God is saying, when you read it on the surface, it looks like 15 and 16 is a repetition, but they are two different things. C15 says you are getting eternal life. 16 said you are getting everlasting life. Why? Because you were born, but you won't die. But eternal life is not about your new birth. It's about the quality of the life you have received. What it means to say is that the life you have received is not human life. The quality of the life you have received has no beginning or ending. Which means to say, the type of life the believer carries is a life that is not subject to time. Sickness is a product of time. If you eat wrong food over time, you get sick. Which means to say, anything time can come and fight against you with. In the resurrected life, time has no say. Mm. In the resurrected life, oh, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There is time, there is space, and there is matter. The earth is matter. Time is the beginning. Space is the earth. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Space is the heaven, sorry. And the earth is matter. But God predates space, time, and matter. Which means to say, because he's eternal, and he is not begotten or has no beginning, 
Now, these three things are actually the tripartiteness of all existence. Everything God creates is in threes. There's the Trinity. There's what? Body, soul, spirit. There's what again? Oh, help me. There's matter, space, uh-huh, space, time, and matter. Uh-huh. There's solid, liquid, gas. It's always in three. Three, three. Three, three. That's it. Everything's in three. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, follow me very well. Everything is in threes. But when God was, so when God creates a thing, now the issue about creation is this. If there is a beginning, then there must be a place for the beginning. You can't have a beginning without a space for it. Then if there is a beginning, then what began? So once time shows up, matter must come. And the place where the matter will be at becomes the space. So when you enter eternalness and God was not created, it means if there is no when in God, then there's no what of God. Which means to say, man of God, if I have eternal life, what I carry is this. I can't be sick because there is no time I got sick. And if there is no time I got sick, then there's not what what made me sick. Because if there's a what that can make me sick, then there must be a time I got the what. And if there's a time I got the what, then there must be a place that brought me the what. But when you enter eternalness, you are not subject to space. You are not subject to time. What it means to say is this. Let them decree in Ghana that we are not employing. You tell them that I have eternal life. I traverse time. I traverse space. I have the capacity to live ahead of my time. I can be living here, but I am 20 years ahead of my generation. Which means to say, when they say we can't employ, because IMF has given precautions and all that, only me, I enter four years to come. When IMF's deal will be over, then I get my job four years to come, even in the present time. That is eternal life. If you know the life you carry, Anytime you are getting sick, you must go like, no. Time does not touch me. Sickness is not part of my business. Place, which is space. What caused me to get sick? There's no what, there's no place, and there's no time I got sick. This and then, there is, you must make, this is the realm. You, you must, it must, it must eat you up. <laughs> it must eat you up. No wonder Paul said it in Ephesians. Oh, chapter 1 for this cause I Paul cease not to make mention of you in my prayers that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation you see the spirit of wisdom and revelation are two different things Sophia and apocalypsis apocalypsis means to discover to discover means the thing is there but you are just removing the cover of it but wisdom is the ability to use what you have uncovered sometimes you can go to a warehouse and there are five cars there is a tipper trap there is a, a bulldozer there is a trailing machine there is a trawler there is a jeep there is a saloon car there is a motorcycle it's according to the wisdom you have that determines what you can move so apocalypsis means you didn't know it was there but you have removed it and you are now seeing it but if you don't have the wisdom you are seeing it but you can't assess it that's why he said I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may grant unto you not just revelation but the wisdom to apply and access revelation 
revelation. I came to tell somebody when Paul was praying, he was telling us this that when Christ died on the cross, there are things he finished. You don't need to struggle to finish. You don't need to struggle to finish because he already finished it. So Paul said that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. In the Greek language, he uses some words. Eyes, understanding. The word understanding is dionia. And dionia is actually the aspect of the brain. You know, the brain has two aspects. Analytical aspect and photographic aspect. The analytical aspect has to do with words you are hearing, information you are getting, readings, documents. That's called dialogismus. But the other side of the brain, which is in charge of pictures, sometimes you're like, I've forgotten. Some people are very gifted with photographic memory. Those people have their dianoia, the photographic aspect of their brain heightened. So then when they see a thing, they can remember, and they, they, they don't even have to read for long. Once they open a book and they see the picture of the book, they can quote it off here because the picture is just printed. They can remember. That is dionia. And Paul was saying, with what God is doing, you can't use dialogismus because to analyze it, your brain is too finite. So you need dianoia to just capture the picture. Because out of the scriptures, you can catch the pictures. <laughs> because as far as your eyes can see, and man of God, he says that the eyes of your dianoia will be fortizo. The word is fortizo effect. Fortizo is the, is the ability by which a camera lens is able to capture pictures and translate it on a film to invert the image and when after washing and developing shows what was captured so in that realm you don't analyze in that realm you don't process in that realm you don't develop all you have to do is to capture and release capture and release that is where you use dianoia so when you keep seeing it you reproduce it when you keep seeing it you reproduce it so in Christianity your advancement is not in doing it is in seeing if you can see it you advance it's not trying. It's seeing. You must talk, God. I must see it. You must see why you shouldn't die before 80. You must see it. If you don't see it, you can't have it. As far as your eyes can see. If you don't see that you will be a landlord in Trasaco, you will be a landlord in all the high places in Ghana, in London, in Dubai, you will never have it. Dianoia. You must picture it in. And Paul is saying, what has been delivered to us if you use analysis, you won't get it. You must just capture the pictures of the finished work on the cross and let it begin to translate in your life. And he said that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that ye may know what is the exceeding greatness of his riches and his inheritance in the saints. Can you go there for me? Yeah. Like, what is the hope of your crown? The riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Then go to 19 for me. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to ask what who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Verse 20. Which he wrought in Christ. When he, so there was a certain power God wrought. The word wrought means, you see, English puts it very interestingly. But the word wrought is usually a terminology for seamstresses and those who deal with garments. Usually the word wrought is actually a pictogram of an embroidery. So he's saying which God took a thread and needle 
to weave into Christ. <laughs> when he was raising him from the dead, there was an embroidery of power. <laughs> and that embroidery of power was a mingling, a perfect suture, a combination after he had broken the middle wall of partition and made of two, one in himself. In the making of the two, though the temple gate got turned into two, in his body, he was being sewn together. So the temple was being torn whilst his body was being sewn. That is the rotten. God was weaving you into Christ. And what he used in the weaving was the exceeding greatness of his power and the ability and energy of his mighty power which is at work in us. He wove you into him when he was raising Christ from the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, what you carry, I have not seen. Oh. That's why I like the song. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see. I want to see. I am lifted high. Shine around your glory. Oh, listen. <laughs> Job said he hanged the north in an empty place and hanged the earth upon nothing. The Bible says he has gathered all the clouds and has tied them together that they might not rent upon the face of the earth. By his power, he has smitten through the sea and by his understanding, he has dispersed the proud. The Bible says by his spirit, he has garnished the heavens and by his hand, he has made the path of the crooked serpents. He hungered the earth upon nothing. The Bible says he binded the winds with his garment. Isaiah 40 said, he said, he stretched the span of his hand and measured the galaxies and the universe by the span of his hand. A certain version said, he uses a 30 centimeter ruler to measure all the galaxies he has created. He said, all the nations are before him as a drop in a bucket. Yea, as the dust upon a beam balance. You understand what it means? In those days, when they are measuring something, they take something called a beam balance. So, you will pay according to the weight. So, if I'm buying, for instance, this phone or tablet, and I put a tablet here or the microphone, the weight of the microphone, I put the coins that will balance the weight of the mic, then that's the cost. That's why shekels was a weight. So, you put the shekels. So, if the shekels and the microphone balance, that is the cost of the... So, the number of coins that made the microphone balance is the cost of the microphone. But he said, before God, the nations are but dust. You know what dust is? When dust settles on the beam balance, there's no reading. <laughs> God said, the nations, all the seven point something billion, they are unreadable on his scale. <laughs> he doesn't read. <laughs> and all these things, Job said in Job 26 verse 14, he said, lo, these are but 
whispers. Can you go there? These are but parts. Another version says, whispers of his ways. How little a portion is heard of him, but the thunder of his power who can stand. What he's trying to say is this. When God was creating heaven and earth, the galaxies, the constellations, the sea, you know, it's only 5% of the ocean that has been discovered. 3% of the observable universe has been discovered. Whirlpool Galaxy, Andromeda, all the galaxies we are seeing. He says only 3% we have seen so far. We have not even properly gone to Pluto and Mars and all those things. We are struggling. Machines grow for us. So even our discovery is within our solar system, which is one of the smallest in the solar systems, which is one of the smallest in, our solar, in the general solar system of the Milky Way galaxy. So our solar system is the smallest in the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is one of the smallest in the galaxies. And he said, it's only 3% we have seen. It's called observable universe. That's why I know heaven is in the space. Because it's in a certain realm and scope. Our machines can't get there. But the resurrected body. And who said, my heart is full of matter. This is a subject I like to teach. Because there's much a Christian must know. But look at this. All God has done, Bible said, these are but whispers of what he can do. He said the full power of his capacity, you don't know yet. Well, have you forgotten what Habakkuk said? He said, oh God, revive thy works in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known thy works. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the holy one from Mount Paran. He said the earth was full of his praise. And the heavens was full of his glory. The earth was full of his praise. And the Bible says his garment filled the earth. And it was like a bright light. And the Bible says, and there came out of his hands horns, which was the hiding of his power. So it means everything we have seen. The glory. The Bible says it is the hiding of power. God was hiding power when he was creating the world. Everything you have seen is God's hidden power. Not his revealed power. <laughs> That's why when we get to heaven, eh, our prayerlessness, it will, it will mean something. It's like, ah, 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 ah. That landlord, that boss. Ah, ah, ah. When a man comes to the realization of power, you will start vanishing. I'm telling you, you will vanish. They, sometimes even when you are fellowshipping with the Lord, you are just barababo. It's like you even decide to stop because if you don't stop, it's like you are going to burst. What you are feeling is too much. It's like, it's like you are too, you, you can't sleep. You are, you are extra, you can go 100 miles and you'll still be fine. It's like you want to burst, so you just have to say, God, it's too much. It's, if, I, if I go... There are days I do that, man, because I know if I go beyond that, I might go 100 days without eating. So I just have to control myself and say, no. If I go, no. That's glory. But the issue is this. Go back to Ephesians 1 quickly. Let me end with that one. There's much to say. <laughs> oh, the Bible says in First when you go, go and read First Corinthians 15, 45 downwards. He said, as we are born the image of the earthly, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly. For the first Adam was of the earth, earthly. But the second Adam is the Lord God from heaven. And he said, he said, this is our vow body. 
There's one body of the sun, one body of the womb, one body of the star. Every star differs from another star in glory. So is the resurrection of our body. It is sown in corruption, but reaped. Commando lobo. It is sown in weakness, but reaped in strength. There's something about our body. This body we are going to get. This body we are going to get, ladies and gentlemen. It does not need to come and go. It appears and disappears. It does not need a space gown to go to space. It can be walking on the moon. And it's briefing normal. Because the body can handle it. Glorified. It can go to the hottest part of the earth crust. And to be normal. It can enter a closed door. In this that body of resurrection, you don't need keys. You are the key. Come <laughs> That body does not need to bath because when, it, when Jesus resurrected, he didn't take a shower. He didn't go for perfume. He was already dressed. In his, it was called resurrection gown. It's a dress. He was wearing the dress. Kalabasha. <laughs> that body can eat, but it doesn't excrete. Because the eating of that body, if you check the Bible, every time Jesus ate with the disciples, it was for fellowship. It was not to satisfy hunger. He broke bread with the disciples for fellowship. The two on the road to miles, he broke the bread for fellowship. Likewise in the New Jerusalem. In fact, in the New Jerusalem, our eating will be once a month. We eat once a month. Not because we are hungry, just to fellowship with God's life. He said, it is a tree that is in the garden of the paradise of God, which buried fruit once every month. Just eat it. Life. No excretion. Because Jesus ate the bread, but Jesus didn't use the washroom. Glorified body. <laughs> this body is a body of humiliation. Paul said that God is going to change this vile body. Our citizenship is in heaven. From whence we look unto our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall come and change this vile body? The word vile body is the body of humiliation. That it might be fashioned like unto his. By the power by which he is able to subdue all things. Philippians chapter 3, 20 and 21. The, the same power by which he changed. Is the same power he's going to change ours. That's why John said, beloved, now are we the sons of God. But it does not yet appear what we shall be like. But when we shall see him, then we shall be like him. So how Jesus was when he was entering doors without closing it. How Jesus was entering heaven and coming to earth. Bible says he told Mary, don't touch me. I go to the father. So Jesus ascended severally before he came finally to. That's how it's going to be. Man of God, we'll be talking on earth. But by the time you say, you say, I'll be back soon. You are there. After having some meetings with God, you are back. What are you saying? Five seconds. You are back. Yeah, what are you saying? According to angelic calculation, an angel can go around the earth 127,000 times in one second. Yes. That's why they look as if sometimes they're everywhere at the same time. They, they are very fast. Swift. It's spirit time. Spirit time. Flash is small. They are there. That's why Jesus said, in that day, he that has been faithful over little will be ruler over much. Do you know people will be presidents of five countries and will have meetings simultaneously without the parliamentarians knowing they are absent? So it's like you are, you are talking, uh-huh, so make sure they go there and just and, 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 uh, five countries at the same time. You don't need conference call. You are the conference call. Pa, 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 you are coming. Glorified body. But I'll show you something. Can I show you? Can I show you? He said, 
in verse, verse 19, quickly. Oh, verse 19. According to the exceeding... Now, in this verse alone, all the words in the Bible for power is used in one verse. In the Greek language. Every word the Greek describes power with is in 19. Every word. Now he said, what is the, the word exceeding is the first word, which is hyperbalo. Say hyperbalo. Hyperbalo. The word, so when you anglicize hyperbalo, you get hyperbole. Hyperbole. Hyperbole is an exaggeration. The word balo is actually to go over, abound, and extend itself. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23, sorry, 11, 23, when Paul said, in, in labors more abundance, you know, and he came to talk about stripes. He says stripes above measure. The word above measure is the same word for cupa, balo, above. Over and above. Over and above. Over and above. Over and above. And Paul is saying, this is an over and above. Extreme, stretched portion of his power. And the word greatness here is actually also the word megaton. Megaton. It's from two words, megas and atom. Mega is a something that is of large astronomical size. So when you add the two together, megatom is where you get megatomic bomb. So he's saying, according to the hyperbalo, over, above, exceeding stretched dimension of a megatomic bomb, of his and the word power there is dunamis from where you get dynamite. So and so dunamis is actually the dynamite ability. So it's so look, look at how it's visual. According to the over exceeding stretched far mega atomic dynamite ability. To ask what who believe according to the working, and the working there is energy. Where you get the word energy. Then the last one of his mighty power, and the two words are Kratos Iskus. <laughs> so in one scripture, you have Megaton, Hyperbalo, Energeo, Kratos, Iskus, Dunamis. All the words, in fact, you know three in the Greek Dunamis, Kratos, Iskus, but there are others Megaton, Hyperbalo, Energeo, all in one verse. You know what it means? It took the faintest of his power to raise Christ, by it took, uh, to, to create the universe, but it took all of his power to raise Christ from the dead. You know why? You know why? Look at what 20 said. Hmm. Look at what 20 said. Which he wrote in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him on his own right hand. He took all of God's power to do this. You know why? If it was just raising Jesus from the dead, that was not the, he only needed all his power. But something was going on. Ladies and gentlemen, something was going on when he was raising Jesus from the dead. Something beyond what the eyes can see. Do you know that in the scriptures, according to Genesis chapter 10 verse 25, the Bible says, and, uh, uh, go there, Ida, Ida, Ida begat Peleg, and in his days, the earth was separated and cleaved. In Genesis 10 25, Peleg, in his time, he says that Peleg, uh-huh, and Iba, he says the sons of Iba, one of them was Peleg, and in his days, the earth was di- divided. What happened was that in the days of um, Genesis, when Adam was upon the face of the earth, the earth had one temperature. The earth had one temperature 
one land. There was no division. One large land. And actually, Eden was found in a place which now is Africa. Because according to Genesis 2, 10 to 13, it was flowing in the land of Havila, which flowed to Ethiopia, which is in the land of Ethiopia, and flowed down to the land of the Assyrians. So Eden was in Ethiopia, which is Africa, Northern Africa. But it was one plain of land, so there was no demarcation. Follow me very well. But something happened. When man fell short of the glory of God, certain things started to happen. The curse changed the ozone layer and intensified the sun because man's body now lost the capacity to withhold and became subject to the elements. And it began to reduce man's age. So man left eternity or eternal life and started dying. But it went further after the flood. So in the days of the flood, it was around 120. So if you read the Bible, after the flood of Noah, people's years were slashed to about half, 300, 200. Why? Because when the floods also came, remember the Bible says in Genesis chapter 9, chapter 8, that there were waters that came from under the earth. Those waters were waters that brought out certain poisonous gases that reduced man's life expectancy. The earth brought substances that began to kill us and reduce our age. And something also happened further that you might not know. Archaeologists have gone round and round and round about and they have been looking for Eden. And they said there's no Eden. So because of that, Eden and Adam is a fictitious story because there's no proof of Eden. The reason is this. In, Ex- in Ezekiel chapter 31, the Bible said, in, 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 from, in from verse 15 that was, he began to communicate to us the mystery behind Eden. He said all the trees have been turned upside down into the nether regions. So when Peleg in his days, the earth was being cleaved with waters, the waters swallowed up the land. And Eden was translocated to the nether regions. So Eden went underground. That is why when God was blessing Abraham, he said unto whom he had promised the world unto Abraham, who was to be the heirs of the worlds. He, he promised Abraham the heirs, the, 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 the world. And so because of that, when Abraham died, Abraham got a place called Abraham's bosom, called paradise. And it was not upstairs, it's under the earth. Because that's where Eden had now gone to. So paradise was downstairs. Because according to Acts chapter 2, verse 32 to 36, and we know in verse 34, that David is not ascended into the heavens, but is descended. Why? All the saints went down to paradise because paradise was now in the nether regions. But once upon a time, when Jesus was resurrected, you see, Ephesians 4.10 looks like a very surface statement, but you don't know what he said. And the same that ascended first descended. And when he was ascending, listen to the language. He didn't lead captives captive. He led captivity. It means that anything, the fall had been made, had caused captivity under the earth. Jesus gathered all. What he was gathering was Eden. He gathered the inhabitants of Eden. He was translocating a realm where Abraham and all the saints were. And ladies and gentlemen, so when he was resurrecting, God was not just raising a man. He was restoring a paradise. Not just restoring a paradise. The Bible said, as he was raising him, that new man, he was also creating the new earth and the new heaven. All was happening at resurrection. That is why John said, and I saw, not a creation, but a revelation of what already is. Why? Because in Revelation chapter 4, the Bible says, and my eyes were open, and I saw a man who was seated upon the throne, and he was to look like Jasper. The person, Revelation 4, he was to, a human being was like Jasper. But when he came to Revelation 19, 
And Revelation 20, I was talking about the city, the new Jerusalem. He said the city was to look like Jasper and it was coming out of God. What does it mean? The new Jerusalem has already been created at the day Jesus was being resurrected, but it has been stored up in God. So there's coming a day, Bible says, and I saw a city coming out of God. That is why he used all his power. Because what caused your resurrection was also a, creation, a recreation. It was a relocation of Eden and a recreation of the new man, the new earth, the new heaven, the location. What does it mean? Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Oh, that I may know him. You know why Paul was saying that? Paul realized that I've been working this Christian life, but there are some things I have not touched yet, but that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And he said, be made conformable unto him, even in the suffering, that if I by any means may acquire the resurrection of the dead. And I was like, ah, according to the scripture, you only die to attain the resurrection. But Paul said, I'm alive. And I'm looking for any means to attain this resurrection whilst alive. There are people who are living a resurrected life. But they are not yet dead. You know why? Paul, the word here is katantau. And the katantau, and the word the resurrection here in the whole of the Bible is used once in the Bible. The word here is ex-anastasis. Resurrection is anastasis. But here Paul said ex-anastasis. And the word ex, if you're a good Latin student, ex means out. So ex-anastasis means I want the out-resurrection. Or in proper translation, an extraordinary resurrection. I don't want to die, but I want an extraordinary one. By any means. And the word katantau means any opening that is available, I'm ready to squeeze in for that resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, it means that you can be born again and be walking a defeated life. But by, like Paul prayed, he said, I want to enter that realm. There's a realm I wish I can enter. And you know something, according to history, when Paul was dying, he was beheaded. When they cut Paul's head, blood didn't come out. It was milk. Because he meditated that I don't want to wait till I die before I get the glorified body. I want to be alive. So when he contacted that reality, when he was about to die on the road to Rome, as they got to mortar, a serpent fastened to him. And he knew that once he has meditated on this resurrected life, he does not need to pray or take antivenom injection. He just has to shake the snake off. Because the resurrected body does not react to snake bites. He's not a man again. If I can but any means. Paul said, I want to enter. Listen, how do you enter? Mondolo, oba, raso, tadilesh. We are troubled on every side, but not distressed. Nego, kalapaba. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Paul was saying something. He said, There are many things that are going on with us, but none of this is making us distressed. We are cast down, but none of God, we are not destroyed. Always bearing about in our bodies the dying that is the crucifixion. He said, The dying, not the death, the dying. Every day you must die. Paul said, I rejoice and protest at your rejoicing. If after the manner of beast I fought men in Ephesus, he said, How then advantage it I if the dead rise not again? Ha! He said, Thou fool, thou which thou sowest, is it not 
death and quicken before it sprouts, so also is the resurrection of our body. It is sown in weakness, but it is reaped in, 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 in glory. He's trying to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. There is a death that brings life. There is a gaining by dying that only by living you will lose. If you don't die, you will not gain. I came to tell somebody, there's a certain life, but you must desire it. You must tell God the Lord, if I might by any means, so that I can bear always in my body the dying of the Lord, so that the life which was in Christ Jesus also shall be made manifest in my mortal flesh, so that we which are alive are delivered unto death always, so that the life which was in Christ also shall be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I die daily. He says, so then death worked in us and life in you. We all having the same spirit of faith according as it's written. I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe and speak. He said, knowing this, that all things are for your sake. All things are for your sake. Knowing this, that the same Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead shall raise us as also by, by you. He said, because, because we are all the day, all things are for your sake, but we are delivered. You see, God wants to rot resurrection in you, so he delivers you to death. Anytime you are alive, he said, we which are alive, he delivers to death. So that resurrection will spark the life. Hmm. Listen, Paul said, my light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for me. He's trying to tell you that the more affliction, the more great weight of glory. So sometimes God knows the way you get glory is for him to allow you to go through affliction. <laughs> if you don't go through affliction, you give birth to normal children. But... Hannah has to go through some things so that her children are special. <laughs> you don't understand. But it's all a plan. It's all an arrangement. It's all a plan. Paul said, if I might but any means attain. Ladies and gentlemen, I call you to a higher life. It does not come by watching TV. He said to Timothy, give attention to this thing. If I might by any means attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Lord, I want you to work in me. That I'll be working on earth, but I'm living in heaven. Hmm. Because the body I carry is only going to be experiencing glory and life in heaven. But I want to walk in that realm now. Listen, you can walk in that realm. It, it was said of Smetogu's word. He took communion every day. Every day. So every day and the same when he was dying he went to a funeral and it was his friend's funeral and at the funeral he just told his daughters daughters all my friends are gone I'm alone so I want to go today at the funeral he just he was eating with them and said tonight he said this morning I'm eating with you at this funeral my last breakfast but tonight I shall sup with the Lord so as we were sitting at the table he just put his head on the table but Svetugo said he's dead he chose how he would die and he said I'm going today and when they took him to the hospital and they cut his stomach open, it was said from his heart to his visceral organ, stomach, intestines, liver, it said all his organs was as fresh as a baby's organ. You know what the secret was? He said there is no day you will find him without a Bible. Let me show you a secret. Books are good, but the books don't have the breath of God. Books are nice. They inspire and boost faith. But they don't bring faith. Faith comes by hearing. And not hearing the words of a book. The words of God. 
So I pray. It's nice. A lot of Christians read books. I don't dispute that. It's very necessary. But the, you should be a master of the Bible first. Else books can deceive you. Because you'll be reading what you are not even understanding. Master them. If anything, go to the Bible first. Master the book of God. Because that's where the breath of God is stored. It's not stored in the book. It's stored in the Bible. It is the Bible that makes you clean. Not a book. <laughs> it's the Bible. Thanks be to God. Or some men of God who were led by the Holy Ghost. So sometimes some of their books have the God's life in a certain quantity. But the full quantity is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. That's why when they are writing it, the books that have not quoted the Bible, it looks like suggestive ideas. But the books that have a lot of Bible scriptures in it releases God's fire and life. Because the Bible is also in the book. <laughs> let, me, let me show you how to, how to enter the resurrection. Please, lastly. Lastly, okay. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Let me end with that one. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and instruction in righteousness. 17. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Say truly furnished. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the secret to your life. If you master anything, master the Bible. This is the secret to your life. The Bible said that the man of God might be truly finished. The word truly finished in the Greek is the word exatizo. Exatizo means to be approved and promoted to the next level. What he's trying to tell you is this. You are never going to your next level in blessing if you are short you have shortage in Bible study. That the man of God may be perfect and truly furnished unto good works. God cannot promote you. Because the word truly furnished is the word exatizo. Which means to say, an equipment. Now, in those days, there were two ways of traveling. There was the normal boat and the mega ship. The mega ship had instruments, navigators, radar, paddles, all sorts of things. But the normal boat just had two paddles and two persons. No sail. But the Mega ships had sails, all sorts of things, and they moved at top speed in high waters. You can't use a boat at high sea. Boats at high sea are usually rescue boats because they are just staying there temporarily for a bigger boat to come and rescue them. They are never used at high sea because without a sail, you are in trouble. What God is trying to say is this. If the man of God has not studied to show himself approved, according to Timothy 2.15, and the Bible is saying here that all scripture is God breathed, and he says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good. If a man has not studied his word, and does not master his word, he will be using a small boat. You are not going to move to the next level of your life. That's what it means. How much of God's word is in you determines how much of God can promote you. Because that's what it means. The man of God might be truly finished unto all good works. What it means to say, the more you are studying, the more God is equipping you with sales. So that when you enter the big realm, where there is calamity, Bishop Edipo's wife was dying. Benson, the husband's wife died once. All the men of God have faced calamity. But because they have big ships, they are able to overturn the water. Someone is using a boat. So he also go to the same thing and his wife might die. It's not God who is wicked. I told you, the resurrected life is the opportunity to confront death and to skip over death like that. He said in Songs of Solomon chapter 2, he is called the hind 
according to Psalm 22, the eye jealous shaha, the hind of the morning. If you have the NIV or those versions, the beginning of Psalm 22, there's a superscription. The hind of the morning. The Hebrew says, I jalef shaha, hind of the morning. Resurrection is a hind. It's like a deer. It's like a springback. Resurrection does not work. Resurrection skips and loops. So he said, my beloved, his voice cometh upon the mountain, skipping and leaping. He's skipping and leaping over obstacles. That is what resurrection is. It does not, it does not suffer situations. It skips over them. It strides over them. But the capacity to stride over them that the man of God might be truly finished. If you stay in the way, something will happen to you. Something will happen to you. Something will happen to you. You are not to read the Bible for retention. The Bible is meant for cleansing. It's not for retention. It's for cleansing. God didn't ask you to read the Bible to cram verses. He said, read it so that you are washed by the words you have heard. A father told a son one day, go to the stream and fetch water for me. And he said, use this basket. Every day he went. By the time he comes back, the water is finished. He said, Daddy, every day the water gets finished. He said, Son, it's true that the water gets finished. But have you noticed what has happened to the bucket? He said, Lord, he said, Sir, why? He said, Compared to the other buckets you have not been using to fetch water. He said, You notice this one is cleaner? He said, Yes. He said, That's how the word of God is. At least, if you don't retain the verses you read, you have been washed. You have been washed. You have been washed. You have been cleansed. You have been washed. That the man of God may be truly finished. Ladies and gentlemen, the next level is dependent on your next Bible study. Your next breakthrough is dependent on the amount of word time you give. The next are blessing that is coming because God creates nothing without the word. So if the word is low, you are in trouble. The word must increase so that you are truly equipped. You are properly equipped. You are upgraded to your next ship. You are upgraded to the bigger ship so that he can put you in bigger waters. You can't go to America if the word is low. You will compromise. God needs you to be hot in the word. You know God too much for you to compromise in America. So when he puts you on TBN and they tell you, we want to host you for a 27-day congress and the Holy Ghost tells you, don't accept it. Because of the word, you can turn down multi-million dollar contract because God doesn't want it truly finished this is how resurrection starts oh great peace are they that love thy law nothing shall offend them if you don't have the law you are always offended you will be irritated by life life is designed to frustrate you from the day you wake up the moment you wake up bad news starts looking for you even you just don't feel like being in a good mood but if you know the word, you know come you wake up in the morning, you are full of the word. You begin to talk the word. You begin to impregnate the morning. It's my, it's my breakthrough. And break, Paul said, if I might by any means. And oh, brother, sister, a time should come. You should love God and his word like the way you love those Korean series. Don't close work and be excited to go and have a date or go and watch a Champions League match. I pray that the grace of God falls on your head. That when you close work, you are in a hurry to go home because there's some three chapters B you have to read. And it's until you get there, you are never going to be truly equipped onto the next level. Your marriage is just a Bible study away. <laughs> your contract is just some scriptures away. But somebody is sleeping. Somebody is not giving himself to the word. Paul said after 40 years that I may know him. Hey! 40 years of preaching. Ah, that I may know him. And you can't know the man without what he has written about himself. You must read. You must devour. Jesus said in John 6, 58, your fathers did it manna. Can you put it there for me? Let me end. Man of God, let me end. I want to end. 
I wish I didn't end, but I have to end. Probably the next time I come, I'll go higher into resurrection. Today I went beginner's level. Because, no, because true. When you go to churches today, of course, with all humility, I've noticed that when we preach on resurrection, we preach about the resurrection of Christ. But we don't, we don't preach that we too have that same life. That the way he resurrected, the way he was appearing and disappearing. God is saying that if you meditate enough, you, you might not have literal, of course, there will be times God, the glory will hit your body such that you move from Kratos to Iskus. Iskus is the power of God on your body. Kratos is the power of God in your spirit. That's where you get the word temperance, enkratia, E-N-Kratos. So enkratia is from in Kratos. Your, your soul is comported. You can control yourself. <laughs> but when the, body, when the anointing hits your body, you enter Iskus. When you enter Iskus, this is the realm where you can outdo what thousand men will do in just one hour. When you enter Iskus, People use two years to read the Bible. You can use 24 hours. Brr, 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 you are done. Iskus. You read like, it's like your brain, everything is open. You are Iskus. You can't get tired. That's Iskus. But Jesus is saying something. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did it. Say it. And are dead. But ye that eateth of this bread shall live. And the eater of the bread, he's talking of himself. Now, the first it is the word fago. Fago. You get the word phage. P-H-A-G-E. If you are a botanist, you know what phage is. Yeah. <laughs> it's called fago. But the next word, he that eateth, is the word trogo. Now, fago is casual eating. So, he's saying that your fathers died because they ate manna casually. Because they were like, this is food. That's why they were even complaining that ah, every day manna, every day manna, I want meat. It was casual eating. So they didn't even know what they were eating. Your fathers ate fair gold manna and are dead. A lot of Christians are far going the word. Casual reading. Let me show you how you do casual reading. Anytime you read the Bible, John chapter 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, you go to 14. And the word became flesh and made his journey amongst us. Ah, what is in this? Verse 6, what is there? The moment you can't remember just three, four chapters away, you have been far going. Much more when you read chapter one. Then tomorrow you come and take the Bible again. You start John chapter one. Ah, it's as if John has, it's like the next day when you take the Bible. Ah, did I read John one or what did I read? The way you can't remember, you are in Fargo. Much more when you start John one again. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word. Hey, it's like it's new to you. But meanwhile, till you read it yesterday. You have been Fargoing all along. Casual reading. But the Bible says, he that trogo, tro, the word trogo is chew, chew. So they were casually eating. But Jesus said, as for the son of man, you don't casually eat, you chew him. You chew Jesus. <laughs> and the chewing is like, you put him there, at a mm. Then you pause. It's called mastigation. You are like a ruminant. Mm. 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 Then the afternoon you are like, mm. I cannot be sick. Mm. The next month you are sleeping with I cannot be sick. Your dream is I cannot be sick. You wake up with I cannot be sick. The next month you go like, ah, then why have I been falling sick? Then you hear the voice of the Lord. Because you see, the word of God is the capsule of the spirit. And the spirit is the expression of the eternal life. If you don't chew the capsule, 
and digest it. The content will not burst. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. Until you chew the word, this content will not enter you. And if the content does not enter you, you will not have the life to do what you are reading. You will just be reading things and you are still a handicap. Nothing is going on. But as you read, mm, I cannot be sick. I cannot be sick. I cannot be sick. I ca- that's chewing. Because you are using the mouth gates. I cannot be sick. 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 Do you know the secret of the fathers? Can I again say he didn't spend three days praying on a subject? More than three days and God won't answer him. You know what he did? It was said, Can Hagen, George Muller, you know how they pray? When they have a problem and God tells them something and their faith is little, they go on Bible study for three days to build their faith before they start praying. It's good to pray, but don't pray immediately when you are in doubt. You are wasting your time. Because he shall not receive anything if he has a double mind. So the solution to some of your problems is not quick prayer. It is quick study. What does the Bible say about buying a car? Scriptures on buying a car. Day one. Every scripture that handles the issue. Day two. Every scripture. You have to come to the point where as soon as you think of the subject... Nothing like what if drops in your spirit. Then you have caught it. Then you can pray. If it doesn't get there, keep reading. It will come. He said, ye do well to take heed. Unto the day star ariseth in your heart. In 2 Peter 1.19. Take heed. Prosecco. Prosecco means hold like your personal property. Till the thing rises. So every morning you wake up. Ah, I cannot be sick. Then you read the Bible. Under the law, God healed them. Well, like you have menstrual problem. Leviticus 14 said, and they mix high soap with red scarlet and the blood of a dove in running water. And anyone they applied it to, the woman's womb and body was healed. Yet the Bible also said, in John chapter 7, out of your belly shall flow rivers of running water. So that running water they used to help out of, and the word belly in the Greek is koilia, which is womb. So out of your womb shall flow running waters that was being applied physically in the days of Moses. If under the law, this thing healed people of menstrual problem. Because Bible says if a woman is having a menstrual problem or issues with her bleeding, she should be sprinkled with such water and separated till she's healed, then she comes back. And you have the river flowing already in your womb. How can you have fibroid? You must meditation. Meditate till that fibroid, every single iota of it melts. Then when it melts, you go like, in the name of Jesus, I declare. You don't declare in fear. Otherwise, you declare to frustration. You confess till you are confused. Because you like I've said that God is not minding me. Go for scriptures that addresses the issue. There's a man called George Muller. Man of God, if that man was a supernatural man, he ran three orphanages in Bristol of London. When Google George Muller of Bristol, without supplementary support from government, nor salary from anyone. Every day, one day he had 2,000 orphans who were in the orphanage. And they all sat down, ready to eat. And he said, everybody lift up your plates. Father, we thank you for the food you are about to eat. And there was no food. Empty plate. Two minutes later, they had the knock on the door. The man of God, we were exporting milk to Brazil. But the ship has left. So we have about 27 cartons of milk. Then the children took it. Two minutes later, someone also brought rice. The, sac- the rice also... So, in thanking God, rice came in thanking God for empty bowl. And this is how this man prayed. He said anytime he wants to pray, he goes like a lawyer to God. He needs to deal with fear. He doesn't rush. Every scripture that talks about fear... He will look for it. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. He will circle all. Then the day he's about to pray, he lists all his points. God, 
according to the scriptures, when you appear to disciples in John chapter 20, you told them, fear not. According to Timothy, look at it. You said, I have not given you the spirit of fear to fear again, but of sound mind, power, and love. Then he was quoting. Then he was quoting. He said, I should be careful for nothing. Lord, how come this is going on? So he pleads his case like a lawyer. He said, bring forth your strong reasons. That's how you pray. You bring strong reasons. You don't bring suggestive reasons, comparative reasons. My friend is married, so God, let me marry. That, he won't mind you. He won't mind you at all. Bring your strong reason. Your strong reason is Isaiah 34, verse 16. He said, by his spirit, he has gathered them. None shall lack their mates. So you second, God, you said nobody. Will. And you go to Genesis chapter 1. You created them two by two, male and female. I'm a male. I need a female. I'm a female. I need my male. That's how you pray. So don't rush and go. Don't carry your depression and your emotions to prayer. You are wasting your time. Gather the right evidence and list it before God. Perhaps when you are pregnant, you miscarry. Go to God and say, Lord, you promised Israel that even their animals will not be barren. You circle it and say, God, and you meditate on it till faith rises up. Then when, I mean, Everyone here will testify to this. Have you noticed most of the prayers you prayed out of anger, you got faster answers? God, I'm tired. If you kill me, kill me. That's where God should have. Because you were not, oh, am I talking to somebody? There must be determination. There must be determination. There must be determination. God, I can't be broke. Every scripture, you say you will delight in the prosperity of your servant. You look for the scripture. That's how to pray well. There are some things you already have faith. Thank God. The ones you don't have faith about, anytime you think about it, hey, is it true? They prophesy to you that you are going to you. You're like, hey, can I go? Don't, don't, don't try praying. Go and get scriptures. If you don't focus on the word and trogo, chew the word. You are not going anywhere. This is the direction we are talking about. It will be a fallacy. But there's reality to it. Some people are working and they are translating. Others are eating dangerous things and nothing's happening to them. A pastor in Nigeria was confronted by Arabs. They said, you should drink acid. He said, Father, thank you for this water. Qua, 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 qua. He said, so chilled. Can I have another glass? <laughs> Can I have another glass? He has chewed the way to the point where he knows his intestines are by blind. They are now, his blood is not alkaline, it's Bible-line. The, 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 the pH of his blood is Bible. Mosquitoes must bite you and start speaking in tongues. Because you are there, you are there, like <laughs> everything. Man, I meditated on this thing so much, and I realized that it came by meditation. I see. I meditated on it in 2012. And I heard Pastor Chris say something, I said, God, do it for me too. So I was doing something, and I got cut by a knife at my wrist. And I said, Father, the resurrected body has no blood. Because he told Thomas, put your hand in my side. And when the man tried, the Bible never said his hands were stained with blood. You emptied yourself of blood. And there was a hole in your hand, yet there was no drops of blood falling down from time to time. Whole, yet perfectly sealed. No compromise to the product. So Lord, my blood is your blood now. And by that, I can determine whether I can have a wound or not. So I said, in the name of Jesus, I erase this wound. This is not magic. I said, I erase it. After I said it, I just went to bath. As I was bathing, I realized, I'm washing that place. I'm not feeling any pain. I'm not feeling, you know, when soap touches a cut, 
I'm, so when I tell, I say, that thing has vanished. It's not magical. Listen, it's not improbable. Now, if you go on TV, you see these guys, Juju, they take knife, they are cutting their stuff. That is, that is, that is gimmicks to what God can do. They shoot two bullets, the bullets for that. That's gimmick. They shot John Hagee in America and he didn't die. Pa, 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 pa. The bullets were falling off his body. God can make you a bulletproof, but it comes by struggling. You must struggle the truth that your body is impermeable. How do you do that? Joel said, he said, a great people and a strong, an army that has never been, they shall fall upon the sword and the sword shall go through them. None shall break their rank. None shall be hurt. Then I realized that I can sit in a bus. The bus will squash. Everybody will be squeezed. God will put me outside the bus while the bus is crashing. And no bone. Because I go and quote what the scripture says in Psalm 22. None of his bones were broken. You... You must just meditate. And this is what Paul did. He kept staying on the word. He stuck to it till finally his blood was changing. The composition of his blood was changing. Ladies and gentlemen, something will happen to you if you stay on the word. They say you don't have a womb. It will create. They say one of your fallopian tubes is destroyed. It will function normal. They say your heart is enlarged. It will come back to normal. They say you have high blood pressure. Meditate. Get borobo. What is the meditation? Lord, your heart was broken so that I have an intact heart. You stay on that. Stay on it. Morning, evening, morning, evening. I'm telling you. This is how to get the results from the scripture. It has not changed since the Messiah came. It didn't change because you also want an instant miracle. There's a way to get it. There's a way to get it. Stay on the word. Stay on it. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. He said, my old man is crucified. My old, he said, reckon ye therefore your members dead. Then it means that man of God, no matter how I'm seduced, I've meditated on the scripture to the point where my body doesn't even react because the body has come under iscus. The power of God is sitting on the body. So what makes other men aroused? I'm not aroused. And it's not like I'm not a man. Meditation has killed the flesh. This is the resurrected life. Snakes must be in your trousers and you are walking. Now, no, no more authority. You have authority over the demons in your house. Anytime, some times ago when I was meditating on the authority of the believer, I was sleepy and a certain spirit came to sit on me. I was in a hotel in Sweden 2010. When I woke up, you know, I didn't do No, no. I just sat on my bed and I said, Satan, what meaneth what you did? No, King James is very nice. What meaneth what you did? Then I said, come back here. The entity entered. I said, let this be the last time. If I pray, I don't pray. Is it your concern? Because you go like, you know, the devil makes you give reason to why problems come in your life. Yet you were not doing those things and the problem never showed up. So it's not what you didn't do that is causing the problem. It is the knowledge you are beginning to lose hold of that is creating your issues. I said, this is the last time. Whether this room was used by an occultist or not. Joshua said, where my feet will tread is my possession. It's not a prayer topic. I and my leg sanctify the place. When I show up, it's sanctified. That's, that. that's, oh, that's the last time. Last time. 
I enter a hotel room and the spirit will come and sit on me because someone had a bad spirit there. It's a lie. I get there. You go, a Christian shouldn't say, when I entered the room, the spirit, my spirit was dominated. Abba, 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 Abba. You are the dominating one. When you enter, those spirits must pack out. I bought my book. And this is what I'm calling you to today. Whatever pain you are in, whatever issue you are facing, when you get to the house today, look at the mirror and say, now Satan, this nonsense has gone on enough. Hear me now. Hear me now. And that's why I like Abraham Chibundu. He was going to preach one day, Satan was playing with his car. He said, Satan, do your worst. And he got out of the car. Two minutes later, the car came back on track. Benson, that's how I was going to preach one day. He said, as he was going to drive, mama, he said, all of a sudden, he had a stroke. He put the stroke inside the car. He said, then today we'll preach with stroke. Started the engine, started driving. By the time he was five minutes into the drive, his leg began to function normal. The devil has no authority over you. So you give him that authority. Refuse to cower down. Refuse to cower down. You will have your children. You will have that visa. You will go for that schooling. That scholarship is at your doorstep. Your husband is around the corner. You must look at Satan eyeball to eyeball and say, I will not water your garden with my tears. My tears is not going to be water for your garden. My tears is for the Lord. From today, this nonsense has stopped. You dominate everywhere. Stand to your feet. Your and Young, God Most High, You are Jesus Christ. 